Nobody here appreciates a guy with a good imagination. Well, at least not the people at the lumberyard, or the miniature golf course, or Floyd's Fish Market, or any of the other places you worked in the last month, right? Yeah, well, someday, someday they'll be sorry. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. I am your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 55 of the show. Uh, The movie we watched this week was the 1989 Weird Al Yankovic film, UHF. And joining me this week, I have Christina. Hello. Hi. Back for the first time in a while. It's been a little while since you've been on. Yeah. Uh, also joining us, I have Josh. I thought that back for the first time in a while was going to me, but it's the same for both of us. I- yeah, it is actually because it has been a while since you've been on. And uh, and our other person here, David, hasn't been on for a while either. Hi, David. <laughs> Hello. Hi. And a first timer for us um, who had never seen this movie before, along with David, is Fee. Hi. Hi. So, uh, David and Fee, you had never seen this movie before. David, that doesn't surprise me because, well, you've never seen anything and you're just a baby. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you were you kept the damn show going for like the first two months because you hadn't seen anything. You're so, welcome. Yes, I thank you for that. Uh, it was originally David hasn't seen, right? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty pretty much. How um, has this guy never seen anything? The podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Fee, um, had you heard of this movie before and just never had a chance to see it or, or what? Yes, I'd heard of it. Here's how I'd heard of it. Um, I was cleaning out some stuff in a house and I found a DVD and it said UHF on it, but it was like in like a marker on the on the cover. <laughs> um, and I didn't know what the hell it was. And I, I just never watched it. Um, and then a few, I guess, early like last year. Um, I started going through all these movies I'd never seen with my partner because I grew up a little bit sheltered, mm-hmm. and and Same. and yeah, and so uh, yeah, this was on, this was on the list. Okay. Now it is worth mentioning. I had heard of this movie. Uh, I wouldn't say I'd heard of it by name, is what I would say though. I had heard that Weird Al had made a movie, and I had seen clips of it, sort of on Reddit and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there there are a few memes that have come out of this movie. Um, so this movie came out in 1989, and it opened. It had a budget of roughly $5 million. Um, do you know what its gross was in the U.S.? $6 million. Hey, that's a profit. Yeah. You know what its gross was worldwide? No. $6 million. <laughs> it... it it didn't do very well. Now, part of that problem... There's some conditions to that, though. Yes, part of that problem was it came out in July of 1989. You know what else came out in 1989? Batman. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, there was several movies. Those two, Indiana Jones and Batman, pretty much took all of the box office that year. This movie didn't really stand like, a chance. That was like one of the biggest box office years in the 80s, I think. Yeah, it really was. Um. And so this movie was kind of doomed to fail from the beginning. Um, but it has gotten quite the cult following. Weird Al has a cult following anyway. So there was going to be some diehard fans of it. Um, I remember I did not see this in theater. Um, 
I was a Weird Al fan even at that time, like eight, nine, ten years old is when I started listening to Weird Al. But um, I saw it a few years later um, on VHS, and uh, I'm, I mean, most of us here are old enough to remember UHF stations, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Good. The ones that didn't come in as clear as the other not clear stations. Yes, exactly. Um, I had an, I actually had an old black and white TV. Um, that had the two different dials. It had the VHF yeah. dial and the UHF dial. Yeah. That's what we had. Yeah, cause, I had a color one with that. <laughs> yeah, because we only had, uh, we had one UHF station here um, growing up, and that was the ABC affiliate, actually. See, it's weird because I, I grew up in Maine, and up here, like, ABC, NBC, Fox, all the major networks were VHF. And then any of the other, like WB, UPN, whatever, those were UHF. So I always thought of UHF as like the secondary station. The local station. And, and for the most part, in most markets, that was true. Um, but, you know, where, where I am in northern Michigan is small and was even smaller then. So the VHF stations were the NBC and CBS affiliates. Um, the ABC affiliate and I think PBS maybe were both UHF. Um, and we didn't have anything else. We had no other local stations. Um, until we got cable, I'd never seen anything that wasn't NBC, ABC, or CBS. I don't even think Fox broadcast for a long time up here. Like, it was weird. You, you had to get in a special Fox viewing position. Right, yes. You had, to, you had to face your antenna the other direction to get Fox. I do remember that when you finally could get it. You get, like, people standing in weird positions just to make the signal right, like mm-hmm. mannequins. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, mannequins covered in tinfoil. Yeah, that was uh, that was the way of things back then, kids. Um, David, you probably don't remember any of that. I mean, I I remember there be I remember distinctly having to align an antenna or two, but I don't. I didn't know any of the science behind it. I didn't know <laughs> UHF or VHF. I just knew that at Grandma's house, if you wanted to watch TV, you had to fiddle with it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so Weird Al Yankovic, who, let's do kind of around the table, um, who's fans of Weird Al? Because I am I'm an unabashed fan of Weird Al Yankovic, and in fact, I posit that the world would be a better place if everyone would listen to at least one of his songs a day, because it's, it's scientifically proven. You cannot stay in a bad mood after you listen to Weird Al. It, you just can't. But let's it's go. Like Scott. Yeah. Let, yeah, it is kind of like Scott. You're, you're not wrong there. Uh, so let's start with Christina. Oh yeah, I've always loved Weird Al. Always. Going all the way back to bad. Nice. Yep. Uh, How about Josh? Uh, Yeah. Well, it's interesting because thinking back to it, Weird Al felt like a secret, like off base that nobody else was into. So I related to that a lot. But then you're open, you're like, oh no, all of of these people know Weird Al. It's actually (laughs) not that like random. It's like, but we're all weird. So I guess we all can cross. Thank you, Dr. Demento. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he did kind of feel like underground, even though he was super mainstream. I mean, Isn't he the only artist to have won a Grammy in like every decade since he's been performing something like uh, that? I There's don't, like, he's got all sorts of crazy statistics like that. Oh, I'm sure. I, I, I don't have anything to back that up, but it would not surprise me. Because 80s, 90s, noughties, teens. Yep. Yeah. Four decades. I mean, David, you, it sounds like you've listened to him at least a little bit. I have listened to him. I actually can remember my introduction to him. Um, 
I vividly remember, uh, and I, I will hear no comments on how young I am or how, how young this makes me sound, but That's the fine. first album I ever purchased with my own money was Backstreet Boys Millennium, uh, the single of which was... Christina, I can see your face. Uh, yes, yes, I know uh, you can. The hit single of which was I Want It That Way, mm-hmm. which, of course, was covered what I bought on eBay. Yes. And I remember uh, doing, it was never posted anywhere for everybody's sake, uh, but I remember doing a lip sync of that song with my friend in like fifth grade, maybe. Nice, nice. Uh, how about you, Fee? I was aware of Weird Al. Um, Like I said, grew up a little bit sheltered. So I wouldn't say that I was a fan, but in my adulthood, I have a healthy respect for what he's done. Yeah, he so he is able to um, obviously make fun of or poke fun at pop music. Um, But from a place of like, he appreciates pop music in general. And he always finds something that you wouldn't think of to make fun of something. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he doesn't go for the low hanging fruit. You know, there was so many people, I mean, it, recently, so with this whole COVID-19, there's been people saying, oh, you need to do this parody and this parody. And he's just like, no, because there it's, it, it's not to him. It's not funny, but it's also like mean spirited. He doesn't do mean spirited parodies at all. I mean, the most mean spirited you could get was maybe what happened to him with Amish paradise um, and gangsters paradise, which was a Coolio song back in the nineties. And even that wasn't really like, it wasn't meant to make fun of the message of the song. He just liked the tune and thought it would be funny to make the song about Amish people. The biggest, I think the biggest controversy with that was that he, he asks everybody that he's paradising, parodying, I don't know. He asks everybody for permission and he won't do it unless they tell him he can. And then right. I guess Coolio went back and said, uh, I didn't really want you to do that. That's the only controversy. I've never heard, obviously, I've never heard any Amish people complain. That's kind of a joke. <laughs> the biggest one was Eminem. Yeah. Against Weird Al. Yeah, that too. Yeah, but I mean, for the most part, like, he, he's so respectful of everybody because he doesn't have to ask anybody to make a parody of their song because he always changes the music just a little bit. It's a little bit faster. Or he, he does something to it, but he doesn't have to. And, and parody is protected. Yes, it is. So but, I didn't realize well, I didn't realize until probably in the last decade, I think when he did his um, original music tour that he did a few years ago, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was like every every album he does, every other song is like a notable parody. But mm-hmm. then every song in between those is a artist or genre parody. So yes. like his original written music is supposed to be like a Foo Fighters song or a Beastie Boys song. And I didn't yep. catch that until later. And I've had a better appreciation for his more original stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, he, sells so, yeah, he, uh, he definitely writes some, some really fun songs that are his like genre, uh, tropey pastiche songs where he'll do like, he did, um, I'll sue you was like a rage against the machine style song. Um, I remember off the album, off the deep end, he had one called trigger happy. That was all about like people being overly, I mean, this was 20 something years ago about gun, gun violence basically but um it was set to like a beach boys style song you know so it's this really chippy um chipper upbeat song about uh people way overdoing guns um and that's just what he does like he's always been good at that food is a big one for him he does a lot of food parodies whether it's um you know parroting michael jackson's fat or that's how he got started i mean his first yeah it's 
his yeah. main ones were all food originally. Yeah, his first um, first parody ever was a parody of My Sharona as My Bologna um, that he now recorded. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you know, he he's just made a career of really well done parodies too. Um, was it? I think it was White and Nerdy um, won him a Grammy for uh, and. Um, one of my favorite stories is he called, he called Kurt Cobain because he wanted to cover smells like teen spirit. And it's gotten to a point now where like musical artists look at it as like a badge of honor to get parodied by weird Al. Um, and even then he calls Kurt Cobain and, and, and Kurt was like, as the story goes, he thought he was going to make fun of smells like teen spirit with something to do with food. And weird Al's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do about how nobody can understand what you're singing. He goes, oh, you know what? That works better. And so then you got Smells Like Nirvana. Um, and he, he also, back when he would do a lot of music videos, he would recreate the music video to the song he was parodying. So he had, like, for the video for Fat, which was a parody of Bad um, by Michael Jackson, he shot in the same location. Um, he used uh, a lot of the same crew. He did the same thing for Smells Like Nirvana where he had even the same caterer. Like all these kind of like he's just he's a, a quirky dude, um, but the I, cameraman, the cameraman from this movie was in the fat video, I think, wasn't he? Yes, he was. The cameraman who's constantly eating or drinking something in every single shot. The entire pot of coffee. Yeah. Yes. Drinking the whole pot of coffee. He's just got a giant hamburger in his hand, like all those things. Yep. He was in the fat video. Um, you saw a lot of that. The the cast for this was pretty. Um, pretty decent overall i think i mean everybody's way overdoing it overselling um which you expect or i expect anyway <clears throat> but there's a sincerity to it like you believe it they're committing oh 100 i mean weird out victoria jackson as terry um kevin mccarthy was the one who every time i see this i just i have to laugh because you know he he's a hell of an actor and he's just way overdoing it in this way over that's fletcher right? yeah it's rj fletcher i mean i always remember him from uh the original invasion of the body snatchers that was kind of the thing he's most known for um but he he was a ton of fun michael richards pre-kramer um with uh i, I don't know if he had fake teeth to make his teeth look even bigger or not i thought last night i asked last night if it was fake teeth it looked really extra it did didn't it um yeah. but yeah he was stanley spadowski um one of the greatest names in cinema history and you know he's he's a ton of fun in this because he's just being like that goofball um and it worked now this is a pre-kramer uh but also pre you know racist meltdown um that michael richards had uh but he you know he was a ton of fun um david bow as bob steckler uh, his best friend, who I noticed, and I don't know if any of you did, he just sort of disappears in the second half of the movie. He like I did notice he's just not there anymore, and nobody says anything about it. And he, you know, he's right at the end. But I was kind of bummed because I I would have liked a little more with Al and Day and and Bob or George and Bob, right? Because I think they worked pretty well together, and I like David Bow. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I can remember him from that isn't this off the top of my head i feel like everyone in this movie is i know that guy and then when you look i'm like this is the only thing i've seen them in what do i know yeah i mean he was in 
the cable guy. He was in The Rock for all of like 30 seconds. I think he's at the very beginning of it. Um, he was in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. I, I blocked that movie out of my mind. Um, I, I think most people have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, but I, you know, I enjoyed him and he had, he had some fabulous hair going. I'll tell you what. Um, you had, uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Getty Watanabe, um, as Cooney doing uh nice, nice more, uh, you know, continuing his trend of, uh, racist portrayals of Asian people in the eighties. Cause he, um, for those of you that don't know, was also in 16 candles, uh, as long duck dong. Um, and that was that's what he's most known for. Uh, but here he is again as Cooney, the uh, martial arts instructor. Who I I don't care. Hilarious. Like, it's oh, a yeah. caricature. So it, it it's totally a caricature. Pretty. Absolutely. It's uh, no Mickey Rooney. No, no. Thankfully. Um, and he had some of the funnier lines. I mean, the the wheel of fish always cracks me up. I can't hear him yelling stupid though, without uh, flashing back to years ago, I worked for electronic arts as a QA tester. And when you do that job, you have to, every time you find a bug, you go over to the computers and you enter it into the database. Well, one guy, his entire job was just to manage the database and look for duplicates. So every time he found a duplicate, he would just play Cooney yelling stupid for, <laughs> for everybody in the office to hear. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great because every time you'd go over and enter in a bug, and you'd come back, and you just sit there and wait. Like, okay, okay, good. It's been it's been thirty seconds. I'm safe. Then you hear it. And you're no, because you did not want to get duplicates. So I I get a little bit of PTSD when I hear that now. Um, but yeah. But I think it's it's weird that thinking about this movie being twenty one years old now. Um, and how much of it is mimetic uh, and how much try, of it carries. Try 31, bro. 31. 31, sorry. <laughs> it's older Wait, than you. Reminding us how old it is. <laughs> what were you going to say, though, about it being 31 years old and what now? Oh, no, just thinking about how this was made, like, when some of us were kids, and, like, before the internet was a thing and meme culture, but it's, like, so much of this... I was when I when Phoebe and I watched it uh, online together, and I was thinking about like there's the story side of this, and then there's just all the random irreverent stuff that's in there that you see people quoting and commenting and memeing, and it's like oh yeah, there was a whole like story and foundation under all that too that I don't remember on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, kind of right. There isn't. There's like a very loose story. This was more or less a vehicle for Al to. He throws a music video in there. He has his little skits and bits. Um, it's basically one giant music video. Kind of, yeah. Um, but it's actually really well structured and written too because they set everything up like really well. Like I, I had recently watched it with my brother a couple of weeks ago and then rewatched it now. So the story stuff was kind of boring to me. Cause I was like, get to the joke, but <laughs> thinking about like the guy with the change and all the other stuff, there's so many like seeds and payoffs that it, it really. Yes. And, and that was actually a note that I wrote myself was that I loved how the change guy um, was a running gag, and, but it, it always paid off. Like the first time he comes up is one of my favorites where he's like asking for change and he counts it out 
takes the change and then gives them the dollar bill and walks away. Uh, that yeah. cracks me up. Like that, that kind of humor always gets me. But then for him to come back into the story o- over and over and for it to pay off, you're right. You're, you're right in that they didn't set things up without paying them off, but it is a very loose uh, plot just to basically, you know, serve moving to the next sketch. However, saying that, I enjoy the hell out of it. So I can't remember. It was some writer. Somebody, it was some writer talking about like movies and screenwriting. And they were like, if we have a scene in this location, we can't have another scene in this location unless it's with different people or something has changed or progressed. And so like watching this again, even with like uncle Nazi's clubhouse, they do it twice and they're distinctly different versions. So every single joke, even if it's a setup for a later joke, like Philo, Oh, I live here is actually a setup for later on. And, and they're all distinctly different. So they're all individual moments, but they all string together really well. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, oh, I did gloss over Fran Drescher um, being in this movie as Pamela Finkelstein. Um, Finkelstein being a, a name that Al always likes to use. Um, and then one other cast member I did want to mention too was um, Noodles McIntosh is played by Billy Barty. And Billy Barty, um, if you don't know him by name, uh, if you've ever seen Masters of the Universe, he was in that. He was Gwildor. Um, he was also in... Uh, oh, R2-D2? He no. was not R2-D2. Oh, that was Kenny Baker, wasn't it? That was like... Kenny Baker. Um, but he he did work with Kenny Baker quite a bit. He was in Willow. He was in Legend. He was in um, Time Bandits. Uh, Billy Barty was, was in that. Was he the youngest Wizard of Oz munchkin, or was that Billy Barty? Or... Uh, 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 let's scroll back here. I know one of them was in Wizard of Oz as like a child, I think. Wizard of Oz was 1937? I don't see Wizard of Oz on here for him. Um, so maybe not. That might have been Kenny Baker. But around that same kind of time frame. Um, and, and Billy Barty is always fun. He's not in this for very long, but. But I recognized him. Fran Drescher, um, who at the time was, she was 32 when this came out. But she just, for whatever reason, I think it's the voice. I always think of her as being like her mid-40s. I don't know why. Well, it's like if you watch this before ever seeing The Nanny, then, or if you went back and watched it after seeing The Nanny, you're like, oh, I guess that's just a choice or that's just how she actually. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, that was, a, that was, that was another actress family where, guy to make fun of her <laughs> yeah that was another actress where uh, I, Bridget recognized her but I had no clue because uh, she is of course the nanny right that that tracks one other one other thing I, I probably knew this before but I didn't reaffirm it until last night um, the Trinidad Silva who plays Raul Hernandez mm-hmm. Uh, he died in 88. So like they shot this movie and he never even got to see it. And he's one of the more memorable moments of the movie for me. But like I, I, at the end of the credits, they memorialized him. They, they basically dedicated the movie to him. Which oh, wow. I, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. It says, because I was just looking at his um, Wikipedia page and it says that there were parts of the film that had to be rewritten since he hadn't finished filming that part yet. Hmm. Yeah. Which is the, when you 
they drop off all those new animals and we don't need those stinking badgers. And you're like, that's it. You never see him again yeah. in the movie. It was almost like, were they going to do something else? Yeah, there was supposed to be where the poodles get revenge. Oh, okay. that would have been great. That would have. Because otherwise, I mean, for the most part, that I mean, that scene's still funny just because he's like, we're going to teach poodles how to fly and just chucking them out a window. But it also oh man. didn't uh, didn't age wonderfully. Um, so I guess it would have been nice. It would have been nice to see the poodle revenge, but unfortunate. I did not realize he had he had died before this came out in a car accident involving a drunk driver. That Ooh, is so sad. That is. No. Don't drink and drive. No, definitely don't. Hey, we got Diddy in the chat and little cutis as well. Hammer dwarf. Hi guys. Nice to nice to have you stop by. Um, okay, so we talked, we talked about the cast. We talked a little bit about the writing, which individual bits of this are just so brilliantly well-written. It's, it's that, same, um, that same humor that he puts into his songs goes into his parodies of TV and movies, right? So you have like Spatula City, which I still, uh, I, I quote this movie quite a bit. Spatula City being one of them. Um, Gandhi 2 is like, as a kid, I didn't get that one at first, the first time I saw the movie, because I didn't really understand. I knew I, I'd known the name Gandhi and had seen like photos of him, but I didn't I didn't get it until I got older. And then that when, that whole idea is just hilarious to me. When I first saw this, not knowing really who Gandhi was, but also not knowing enough about 70s slang, when I hear he's one bad mother, like I was like, that must be like a Buddhist. <laughs> oh that's even better that's awesome that's adorable um you know and you have uh his whole rambo bit at the end um because it just keeps going and keeps getting more ridiculous i mean it, the movie starts off with the indiana jones parody and i love that one right so the so i didn't know what the movie was about and so it starts off that way, and and I remember just a few minutes into it going, "Is this the like is the whole movie a parody of Indiana Jones? Like, is this what I'm in for right now? Because I don't think this is what I signed up for." <laughs> um, it 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 was kind of like, "What's happening here?" Well, a funny thing is, is a lot of the promotion for the movie were those scenes. Oh yeah, because they were trying to piggyback on Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Smartly, I mean, you might as well. So this couldn't have come out the year. What what Indian Jones movie came out in '89? Was it Last Crusade? Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yep. Okay, because the ball obviously people would have had to know that. Yeah, that would have been Raiders. Um, so people knew what that one was by this point because that was almost what eight years earlier. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't it, remember any of those movies. That's fair. <laughs> you should watch them again because they're good. Um, most of them. Just watch the first three. Don't don't worry about the fourth one. You'll you'll be fine. There was okay. no fourth one. I don't know what you're talking about. I heard there was no fourth one. There, you're right. There was no fourth one. I misspoke. Watch Young Indiana Jones Adventures. That those are good. That was good. Um, but it's it is funny to me that that not knowing anything about this movie and you're watching it, and I can see that like uh. Is, is something going to change? Well, like, uh, the first thing I said was, did that guy's arm just get chopped off and he didn't even make a noise? Like, that didn't yeah. hurt at all? We're just going to act like that didn't happen? Yep. Did you did you notice that it was his right arm that got chopped off, but from the left side? 
I didn't notice that. No. Yeah, when they pan down and show the arm, it's it's a, a right mannequin arm instead of <laughs> the left-hand side that got chopped off. Which in any other movie, you're like, well, that's a mistake. But here, you're like, they had to do that intentionally. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, this also had Conan the Librarian, which cracks me up. Um, I just watch, watch that show all the time. I, I know. Well, I want, that's I want how... that to be a real thing. That's how my brother and I started talking about this a couple of weeks ago. My nephew just got into Boy Scouts, and I guess before the whole pandemic thing, they were going to vote on the, the pack librarian, and he was going to nominate himself. And then I just looked at him and was like, don't you know the doing decimal system? And he just had no idea. So my brother's like, we got to watch this. All right, sit down, boy. We need to show you something. Um, yeah. I mean, Conan the, the Librarian, you had um... – what were some of the other good skits? Um, I don't know why my brain's emo Williams. How did oh, you forget him? God, that that cracks me up because it's just that's like absurdist humor. <laughs> and <laughs> what I like is I like Al's reaction during all of that because he he just has this like panic going on. Well, emo Williams just has blood spurting out of his hand. Oh, I think it's uh, I think it's on the floor there. Oh, um, that was so gross. <laughs> Well, it's also, thinking about it last night when I was watching it, the structure of it, like, all of these are random TV show things. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. But thinking about, oh, he directly tells Bob, we need more live content cut to shop class thing. Yeah. That, that It exists in that moment because later in the movie, other things have happened. So I don't know if they'd keep that show. So it, there is a progression to things. It actually all makes a lot of sense when you stop and look at it. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Um, I also... I. So for me, I mean, Al, Weird Al is so good in this because of just being, he's basically playing himself, but his, his reactions to stuff are what does it. The, the first scene where they introduce um, Pamela, he introduces himself, you know, hi, I'm George, I'm the new, uh, the, the new station manager, and she just goes into this diatribe just bitching and moaning, and the look on his face is great because he's just got this deer in the headlights and it's just, and this is my friend Bob. Well, what what else is your reaction supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> he just gets more and more scared. But yeah, you had mentioned Josh about um, Uncle Nutsy's Funhouse and how different those two scenes are, and like that's Weird Al in a nutshell, like it going manic and crazy, and then playing that kind of downtrodden character, but at the same time yelling and screaming all that stuff. Um, I captured a ton of audio from this movie that I probably won't play all of, but there was a few of them from that, like calling the kid a little weasel or uh, just uh, all of it. Like, I just love that. Uh, the Uncle Nutsy <laughs> stuff. And then and then you bring out um, Stanley Spadowski and like the idea that that would be what turns the station around is this crazy janitor guy. <laughs> can, can I still be the janitor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Do you think this performance yeah, was directly tied to his casting as Kramer? Uh, sort of body humor and probably the physicality. Yeah, yeah the yeah. physicality definitely. And this would have been when did Seinfeld start? I thought it was eighty nine. Was yeah. it eighty nine? So yeah, so this yep. would have been before that. Then he would have shot started shooting this in like eighty eight. And come um, on, it's not like they watched this movie before they made Seinfeld. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, what was the other? Uh, David Proval as the head thug. Okay. I just remember the only him. one with the thick mobster accent. Yeah. 
Oh, and okay, so some of the other good like jokes in this that just kill me are when the guy comes into RJ's office with that great big cowboy hat on, the big like rhinestone cowboy hat with the, the tail on it. And when he goes to leave and he just looks at him and says, take that ridiculous thing off. And he looks all sad, downtrodden, and he just peels off the fake mustache and walks away. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're that, not expecting the hat. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff kills me. And what was great is he, he had, had the mustache before, but yeah, no hat. He so had the mustache just... in the scene before. Yep. And then, uh, and then later he never has it again for the rest of the movie. So they, they, like... they kept consistent with that too. I feel like I have movie amnesia because I don't remember that at all. Oh, really? It was short. <laughs> it's later in the movie. You might have been. Happy. I already maybe fading a little bit. That could be. Yeah. Well, see, so now you have a reason to watch it again. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, this I is think... definitely a movie I would like to revisit every six months. I think watching it multiple times in, within that period. It has diminishing returns. It's this is a good movie to like share with people and then joke about. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, it, it's better than some movies that I do that with, like Vampires Kiss or The Room or those types of movies where they're so bad. The only way to enjoy them is to share them with somebody else. But thank you for doing that, by the way. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but I do think that this is a movie that is. Uh, best enjoyed with a group of people. Um, and, you know, what, what I find is the more that I watch it, the more things I pick up on, the more jokes that you get or little things. Like, as a kid, I knew about uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, so the, the uh, mashed potatoes mountain thing made sense, but it's funnier to me now um, after having seen that movie more than once. Uh, I, it just hits better. I, things like that are like, goofy names like Pamela Finkelstein or Noodles McIntosh. Like they're, they're funny when you're a kid, but I appreciate a lot more of the humor as I've gotten older. We don't need no stinking badgers. I had no idea what that was referencing <laughs> at the time. Yeah. We it, don't need no stinking badges. Yeah. But at the time, you know, but can you tell me what it's from? What is that from? Because I only know it from Troop Beverly Hills and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was a parody off something else too. Yeah, I think it was, it was one of the spaghetti Westerns and I can't remember which one. Um, I thought it was a crime drama or something. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. But, you know, even things like I was talking about um, Gandhi 2. Like, the idea that, you know, the second Gandhi movie is going to be him as, like, the 70s era, you know, shaft and just mowing people down and punching people and all that. Like, that is absurd and hilarious now. But as a kid, I was just like, huh, oh, that, that looks funny. Um, it's, uh, I looked it up. It's Blazing Saddles is the original reference. No. For badges? Because I'm seeing 1948 Treasure of the oh. Sierra Madre. Yep. There it is. Okay. I'm, I, I looked it up and everything was Blazing Saddles. There you go. It was probably in that as well. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I've seen that. That'd be a good one to watch at some point. I haven't watched that in a long time. This guy looks like El Wapo from Three Amigos. <laughs> he does. Um, which I volunteer for if you ever do. Oh, absolutely. That's one I, I would love to do because I have not seen that movie in years. Um, music wise, obviously, Weird Al, being a musician, you're going to have decent music, but you had the, the song UHF in the end credits and the music video for um, 
I guess it was Beverly Beverly, Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies. Hillbillies. That's the one. Battles of Judd Clampett. Yes. yes. Um, and that was a great music video because I distinctly remember the original music video from Dire Straits, and I loved it when I was a kid. So then to Mark see Hoffler it, worked on the music on this movie too. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, so he probably helped him shoot that video, or at least helped him out with uh, how they did it. I'm sure. But th- there again, that's that's guitar on it. I was going to say the, the the original guitarist played. Yeah. Okay. Um, One track that I've heard it and I never tied it to this movie until I recently revisited it was when they cut to Uncle Leo in the pool and let me be your hog. Oh, yeah. Purely like a 20 second joke song, but mm-hmm. he still plays it at concert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think he played it when I saw him here. I don't remember, though. It was a few years ago. He wrote that specifically for that scene because they couldn't use the music he wanted to use because they couldn't afford it. Of course not. And he always like leads into it like, we're going to slow things down and talk about serious topics. And then he goes into that and then moves right along to the next song. Like that. So a trivia piece I just read was that Ginger Baker, um, the drummer for... Where'd it go? Uh, come back here. Uh, Ginger Baker, best known as the drummer from the 1960s rock band Cream, auditioned for the role of the panhandling bum. I don't think it would have been as funny because the guy that they got to play him was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I think that's interesting that Ginger Baker wanted to be in that. Um, so something, something. I, this is bringing it up. What I've noticed is talking about the uh, like Uncle Nazis and the other stuff. All of these scenes, either Al's the straight guy while someone else has the opportunity to be crazy or something is happening that's somewhat normal and mundane and Al gets to be crazy. There's always like a balance Mm -hmm. into like taking the the homeless panhandler guy at the beginning. And then what I think is one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie is the blind man with the Rubik's Cube. (laughs) Yes. Is this it? And and so it's like he gets to just be a normal guy in that while the joke is happening next to him. So it's a good balance. Absolutely. Um, that, that joke is great because they just pan by it and it it is sort of like, it takes center stage, but it's, has nothing to do with the scene around it at all. Um, what was it? The wheel of fish had real fish attached to it. Really stinky. Yeah. Yeah. that day. Yeah. On the DVD commentary, Weird Al politely describes the filming conditions as ripe. (laughs) That might be the best word. Oh man, I need to find the commentary for this because that would be good. I've got the DVD. Also, I was in my late twenties when uh, I a guy that works at, like a gaming shop that I used to frequent named Joe Miller. Which every time I hear his name, I'm like, "Oh, you're a lucky, lucky." <laughs> uh, um, what was it? Uh, according to Weird Al, his line "Red rum, red rum." Um, was not scripted, and David Proval's look of confusion was genuine. So they kept that in. Um, yeah. And then that led, of course, to one of my favorite lines uh, in the whole thing is when they opened the, the closet door. Surprise! Who, who, opened, who came in with that? Was that you, Josh? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, how many of these sound cues have you pulled that we've just knocked out as we've been 
Uh, a lot of them, <laughs> honestly. Don't need to play this. Don't need to play this. Nope. I'm like, yeah, okay. Don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. I did, however, I do want to play these because I always love capturing really bad fake laughs. And this movie had a few of them. Because um, you had RJ's fake laugh was this one. <laughs> and I have that forever now. But the best fake laugh was um, when it was his son who... That character was so annoying. The whiny son. Um, but his fake laugh is on par with the Nicolas Cage fake laugh in Vampire's Kiss, in my opinion. And it was this one. <laughs> That's just horrible. Um, and I have one more. I don't remember whose laugh this was. So I'm going to play it, because why not? <laughs> oh, that was Al. Yeah, yeah that's Al. Uh, so many good ones. Oh, dog's having a spaz behind me. That's wonderful. No, you're right. I have uh, I have had to tick off a lot of um, a lot of stuff. Uh, I do like too how Al will um, pl- go from being like completely straightforward to like ridiculous inside of a single line. Like right at the beginning of the movie, they get out of the car after they get fired from the burger joint, and they walk up onto the sidewalk, and Al just picks up the crowbar to hand it to Bob, and this this one here. I want you to take this crowbar and just bash my head right in. Go ahead, really, please, just just bash it right in. <laughs> That's the best car, too. Yes, the the car is amazing. Um, but I think, but like lines like that work so well with him because he really understands like how to ration out extreme expression. Like there are people who go out there and just scream and yell all the time. And it's like always on. And like Al has a variety of tricks and tools and he knows how to use each one at the right moment and then move on to something else. Yes. Yep. You're, you are absolutely right there. Um, Oh, um, this I had forgotten completely about the used car salesman. Um, like the, the, one of the first commercials they show. And I just had to capture this because it cracked me up. I'm gonna club this baby seal. <laughs> so now I have that for whatever reason, and I can play it whenever I feel like it. So I think that's that's one of those those things that was a meme in my life that I didn't know was a reference to this movie. <laughs> there were a few in this movie where I was like, "Oh, people have been saying that to me for a long time." I didn't know it was from this. There was yeah. that, and something about mashed potatoes was another. Oh, um, I think. Well, the mashed potato mountain is from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? Oh, so it was a reference was, to something else that was yeah. okay. Yeah, so he was he was parodying. which I have seen, but I didn't put together until you mentioned it. Ah, see, and we just covered that in the show a few weeks ago. But yeah, um, that's a, a parody of a scene in that movie where he does the same thing with mashed potatoes. Um, pretty much set up with the same shot too. Yeah, basically. Oh, well, I had to get this, and now I have it on my soundboard forever. Spatula City! Spatula City! I forgot how stereo those were. Because they they play that same thing like three times, and I had forgotten how how far they push it left and And then push it right. to the owner. Come on down the spatula. I just love, what better way to say I love you than with the spatula. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I that like commercial! The spatulas so much, I bought the company. And if you're paying <laughs> no attention, joke, like go. I, I would totally go to a spatula city. 
Oh, that me would too. be tight. Yeah. Absolutely. But I love oh, to. Would like, you buy nine so you could get the tenth for a penny? Mm-hmm. Well, of course. I mean, how can you not? You're just throwing money away if you don't. The the only modern thing I drew a parallel to is the Rick and Morty Ansem My Eyes Johnson. Just the over the top commercial and Oh yeah. Just So you know, the only problem with that, I realize it's an ad, so it's scripted for intent. But the only problem with that is if this family loves going to Spatula City so much, why do they not have a wow, spatula, have a spatula. sitting at the <laughs> Well, you need a different type of spatula for different things that you're cooking, obviously. Exactly. Well, but she's like, I can't find it. It's like, well, let's go. And for example, this morning I went to go make some eggs and I realized that the two spatulas I had were already dirty and I didn't feel like washing another one. I could have gone, if we weren't stuck in isolation, to Spatula City to get a new spatula so I wouldn't have to wash any of the old ones. See? But that would take more work. (laughs) Just saying it would have been an option. Yes, and I'm sure we're so busy these days. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am. Um, no. I, <laughs> no, I, very not. This is one that I quote a lot. Oh, red snapper. Mmm, it's very tasty. Just out of context, completely for no reason, mm. I'll just say red snapper. But now I have. Mm, when the catch tasty. a million of those in Animal Crossing, <laughs> I was gonna say every time a streamer catches it in, in Animal Crossing, <laughs> they put that in there. Yeah. When the second World of Warcraft expansion came out, in the Alliance Draenei new race that they added, in the first little area, you have to fish and you have to catch a red snapper, and I think the quest is called like Red Snapper. Very. Yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Oh, another example of Al doing um, what you were talking about, Josh, with like the the timing and the, his ability to to decide when to go over the top was um, his uh, you know Donahue Maury Povich style talk show talk uh, town talk with George um, lesbian gothic or what was I don't remember <laughs> lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by alien UFOs and forced into weight loss programs yeah. all this week meaning there are multiple <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or uh, he unlocked the secrets of Al Capone's glove box. Travel. Roadmaps! <laughs> <laughs> so now I can yell that at people. Just... Roadmaps! Whenever I feel like it. And I'm really happy with that. <laughs> to be honest, if you're prepared to yell that at people, what was stopping you from yelling it before? Um, not being able to hit that sound that he can. Now nah, you're right. Yeah, He's it's got, hard. It's like a, a distinct coarseness to it. Well, it's just, do you have the second um, Nazis clubhouse when he's talking about how life is? Um, I have this from that. Hope you enjoy it! Just that. Yeah, that, and then when Stanley's talking about sometimes life is like a mob. Like that, those two, the performances mm-hmm. oh, yeah. vocally in both of those are. Yeah, how profound that is, though. That life is like a mop and you have to clean it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that was some real wisdom coming out right there in a little <laughs> bit of all, in, in the middle of all this insanity. It was like, nah, he's not wrong. <laughs> these, floor, these floors are dirty as hell. <laughs> Shut up, you little That was weasel. a network reference? Yes, absolutely a network reference. Oh, I just, I. I have way too much fun with this movie. It, a lot of it is because it's Weird Al. 
Um, that's what makes it work, in my opinion. Um, you just got to ring it out sometimes. Yep, that's right, Hammerdorf. Um, but it's it's his brand of humor and his delivery in that humor. Because it, it, this is a lot like a airplane style or, or um, police squad that's, style humor. In, that's exactly in, what I thought when it starts Indiana Jones. And in quick succession, there's all the do not enters. And the guy gets hit by a train. Yeah. <laughs> So the boulder swerving while it's chasing him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's very much that same style of humor. Um, but you know, it's sort of a, a like a PG or very mild, you know, PG thirteen version of a lot of that. And um, which is Weird Al. I mean, he's he doesn't swear in his songs. You know, he he doesn't do anything overly uh, like suggestive in, in many of his songs. He does have some lines here and there, but but for the most part, it's you know, it's always family friendly. Um, but he's just so good at that, and it's so funny uh, all the time. I mean, one of my favorite things he ever did was um, covering R. Kelly's Stuck in the Closet or Trapped in the Closet. I don't know if any of you have heard that, where it's, it's Trapped in the Drive-Thru. Oh, it's a great one. That, that that That's up there with Albuquerque and mm-hmm. then now Jackson Park Express. Those The three of those exist in a separate. Yeah, those are just in a whole different world. Uh, they're just masterpieces of, of songs. Um, what was, no, I played that. I had something else I wanted to play. Oh, well. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) And I had to get all the different stupids because you have to. They're so stupid. See, what's great is that, that joke, the joke lives on its own and Cooney's literally there as just, us like a button on the scene oh absolutely no he he exists in this movie just to say Stupid! that's it that's why he's there um but this was the one that i get the ptsd from stupid you're so stupid i can't tell you how many times i've heard just that clip and he the... pitches up on that last stupid it's yeah. just like ugh. it hurts my throat to think about saying that that way though i will say that um uh, oh, and we had a good You're Fired in the movie. You're fired! Which was great. But now, anytime somebody makes a really bad dad joke, uh, I can just say, Get out! Because oh. <laughs> I, have, I have little patience for bad dad jokes. Funny dad jokes I can deal with, but there's, there's some people, uh, Josh, you and I know somebody who 90% of what he posts to Facebook is dad jokes. Um, uh, yeah, I can confirm, yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of eye rolling when I'm reading his stuff. I'm just going to say, but there's a lot of get out gifts that are sent. <laughs> yes, there are. I just unfollowed my dad on Facebook. It was just better for everybody. That sometimes is the better Ouch. thing to do. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I look, I love this movie and it holds a special place for me. I do get some nostalgia from it because I saw it when I was a kid because of how long I've been a weird Al fan, but I really, really enjoyed it. What I'm curious about is what David and Fee thought about it. And I want to start with Fee, and it sounds like you sort of could take it or leave it, like you didn't really get a ton out of it, but that could just be, uh, there could be a lot of reasons for it. So So interesting. Okay, so I have this list of movies I never saw because I grew up a little bit sheltered. And, um, And I'd been going through them, and this was on the list. And we were about a quarter of the way through the movie when all of a sudden I was like, as soon as something happens, I feel like I've seen this before, but I have no idea what comes next. Um, 
And it turns out, because I asked my boyfriend, turns out about three or four months ago, we did see this movie and I had no memory of it whatsoever. <laughs> really? Until I saw it again. And then like, as soon as we, it was like Spatula City was when I was like, no, I have seen this before. Like, I didn't just make, this is not deja vu. I've seen this. But I didn't remember. In the- yeah. <laughs> but like, so I would say it was, it's, I, I get this, like I, I watched it and then you're talking about things that I just saw it last night and I already don't remember them. So I feel like this is just a movie that every time I see it, it'll be like a brand new experience. So you just get that wonderful short-term uh, amnesia Yeah, I just it. have like goldfish memory for this movie for some reason. Okay, well, well, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, experiencing it again for the first time uh, for us in the show. And maybe next time you watch it, you can enjoy it again for the first time. I mean, I should probably try watching it sober sometime. Maybe I'll remember it then. Well, that could yeah. help. Yeah. Either that or yeah. when you talk about Can't it, you prove drunk. <laughs> I mean, it could just be a drunk recall thing. And if you get a little sloshed, you'll you'll remember the movie again. I'll try. <laughs> I can hear my dog freaking out upstairs. I don't know what's going on. Um, I can hear it too. <laughs> uh, David, for your first time viewing, what did you think of it? I thought it was good. Uh, I feel a lot of the same way. I forgot a lot of the stuff. And I don't know that that was because it was bad, just because of how densely packed some of it was. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I also don't think I have the need to watch it again anytime soon. But Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I think I think a lot of our love for it comes from we saw it as kids and there's the nostalgia to it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm I'm that sure that there's a big part of it for me that's that. Uh, just... there, is this is this like one of those movies where you can like sit next to someone and you like nudge and then something comes up and they're like, oh. you know that sort of thing. I try not to do that with movies too much. Um, what I do more is I like sit back and try to see what jokes land for somebody because they're you're right in that it's very dense. There's a lot in this movie, a lot of jokes, and some of them are going to land better than others. Um, with certain people. And you know what? I need to pause here for a second and go see what the hell the dog is freaking out about. So hang I out. Can vamp. I will be right back. I had an actual, I had a question. Yeah, go for, for it. Everybody here. So like this came out in 89 and like nostalgia and reboots are a big thing right now. I'm not making any argument for this being remade, but like, I don't think a movie like this could even exist right now because with YouTube, with the internet, there's so many random things on a daily basis anyway. But if they did try to remake it, I don't see how anybody, even Al, could remake this effectively in the current, like, not just because of the pandemic, but I mean, I don't think it would work today. Now, um, I think there hasn't been a ton of movies along this line in recent years. You know, the sort of visual absurdist comedy or slapstick and you know uh slightly racist full racist sort of jokes uh you know along the lines of airplane and this and uh you know um basically all the leslie nielsen movies i if if it was remade first of all i don't think it should be remade i think it would be a better use of weird al's time to consider making something new um, and I think the most obvious reason it shouldn't be remade is just the technological differences. 
Like, do people UHF, even know what TA? What's, what's UHF these days? You know, oh, he only uploads his podcasts to you know Vimeo. Daily <laughs> <laughs> yeah, motion. Guy, have you heard about this Vimeo channel? They've got all these ratings. Yeah. Like, what do we care? We're on. I hear Stumbleupon's really coming up. Um, <laughs> That's a name I don't Yeah, it doesn't. I don't. <laughs> I read I, about it on Dig. I don't think that the this would translate well. I do think that that style of humor. I hear hear something. I think that Weird Al Yankovic's style of humor is a lot better than this one. But I do feel like uh, Seth MacFarlane tries to do this. Oh yeah, um, but Ted where? Movies. Yeah, but where you were saying like, like that Weird Al kind of knows when to pull back. Seth keeps going. Mm-hmm. And doesn't know when to pull back, so I think that's where like Weird Al's genius shows up in this because there there are some subtleties where Seth will knock it over with a hammer every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah just saying you get it, you get it, and it's like mm-hmm. I, we got it, move on. And then- at the same time, I still think that's a different breed of comedy. Um, I think when it- I think of this, I think of the more absurdist, over the top parody humor. And I just don't think there's been, you know, they've obviously made like epic movies and the scary movies. Yes, but those and... aren't good. That's the thing. Those are those the are first bad. scary the first movie scary was movie good. Is From there, I agree. Part of it yeah. now, and and this is something that I brought up way back in our Hot Fuzz episode, um, is part of my issue with those movies, especially after the first scary movie, you get the preceding scary movies and epic movie and and not another teen movie and or I think that was one of them. I don't know all of those. They're parody but they're parody they're mean-spirited parody. They're making fun of whatever they're doing and they don't like what they're making fun of if that makes sense. One of yeah. the things with Al and with Edgar Wright and, and Simon Pegg and their parodies is they're doing it from a place of like we love this thing but it's also ridiculous and we're going to make fun of that. And that's kind yeah. of what Weird Al does. And that's what makes his stuff not only work, but last and stand the test of time. And that's why you can watch this or you can listen to a song of his he did in 1988. And it's still funny because it's not mean-spirited. And it's not low-hanging fruit. He really he makes you think about it. There's like a humility to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like He'll take a joke at himself at his own expense more than he'll poke fun at Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or he'll just take something and re-explain it in a different way, uh, like Born This Way. Yeah. Born This Way was good. Um, Word Crimes is one of his better ones he's ever done. Because oh, yeah. He took a song that has... A, I, I don't like the original song at all, but he Agreed. made it, He made it all... I mean, he made an amazing song out of it because it's a catchy tune, but then he does the whole thing about grammar, and it's just brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's also, after... Was it Mandatory Fun, his last studio album? After that, he decided... He's not going to do albums now. He's going to just release individual tracks online because everything's changed. So oh, yeah. you yeah. can't just record an album and put it out and have it sell. It's not his. Right, because in his line, it, it needs to come out as everything's popular. Otherwise, it falls flat. Yeah. Yeah. He's had to change his cadence up a bit. And, you know, a testament to him for, for realizing that. And saying, you know what? Yeah. Forget it. I'm not going to do albums anymore because you can't put those out fast enough. Right. And he, makes... He's wanted to get away from it, but he was under the contracts to do it. Yeah. That almost makes me wonder if it's like anybody that's like creative and has like an idea for something. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a week. Interesting. I want to work on it. 
And the way that everything cycles so quickly today, like he hasn't made as many parodies. He did the Hamilton polka and he's done a lot of touring. But it's like, do you think the nature of internet culture and meme culture, like things die and move a lot, like Tiger King's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's watching Tiger King. If you're listening to this a week from now, everyone's moved on from Tiger King and watching something else. So it's like, it's hard for him to like nail down. This will still be funny in a week. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that's a big part of it is he's got to figure out like what can work. And that's where um, the stuff that he does that's originals that are, you know, of a genre or of like of a band, but not a specific song, but a style work really, really well. Because a style or uh, a specific, you know, musical genre will last a lot longer than a, than a single song. So he can get more mileage out of that maybe. Oh, and we haven't commented on how he did the medleys, which are just polka medleys, because it's like, you're not going to listen to a whole song of this, but I'm going to touch on it and move on. It, again, it's just enough, and doesn't he leaves you sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his polka medleys are brilliant, too. I love those. Mm-hmm. I really like them. I'm going to I'm gonna restate what I said at the beginning of the, the show, which is everyone should listen to a Weird Al song. Just one. All you have to do is listen to one every day. You'll be in a better mood. And I think the world would be a better place. Listen to Frank's 2,000-inch TV. Like, how can you be mad after after listening to that? Well, I've still tried to conceive how large that is. Like, I wanted to take Google Earth and be like, where would you... They tell you right in the song, Robert De Niro's mole would be about 10 feet wide. <laughs> well, it takes up, takes up a whole city block. Yeah. <laughs> That and everything you know is wrong, and also the horoscope one, the horoscope for today. Those are both oh, great, it's... not not parodies of genres, but just great. Yeah, I, I always like that song because mine is actually one of the less violent ones. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I know mine ends with "kill them." Oh, it was Sagittarius. Yeah. yeah, that one's really good. Um, even some of his ridiculous originals, like "My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder." which is just him and his accordion. Mr. Frump and his iron lung. That was a good one. That's an old one. Oh, that's a great song. That's, that's like, I think that's off the in 3d album or maybe even before that. I, he's just, he's brilliant. He's been doing it for so long. He's still doing it. He's still funny. He's, uh, it's just great. Uh, We're, we're, we're better for having weird Al in our, in our world. And it, and thank you. Weird Al's mom for thinking he'd be cool by playing the accordion and not the guitar. He just posted on his YouTube. I mean, he, he posted germs uh, on his Facebook and social media a few weeks ago because of the whole coronavirus thing happening. But then he just posted a video of him playing Mason Williams classical gas on his accordion. And you're like, this isn't just like a guy here to make jokes. He's actually like a musician, like a skilled, talented person who does also make yeah, no, absolutely. I've been saying that for years. Like he vocally, he's a, a phenomenal singer. He has a great voice. Now he tends to take it to an extreme and he plays it for a lot of laughs, but when he wants to just sing, he's got a great voice. Um his song, uh the um the Star Wars one off of Running with Scissors, um the parody saga of American Pie. Yeah, the saga begins. Like he it sounds great. He sounds wonderful on that. And you, know, you don't he, love me anymore is also great, and the video is great because yes. it's making fun of uh, what is that? More than words? Yeah. Yep. There's that one. I think um, it's you and him. It's him and Jack Black doing the video. Yeah. 
Yep, he is. He's a very talented musician, and he, you know, he always has good. Uh, his his backing band um, is always solid. He's great live. If you get a chance to see him live, do it because it's a wonderful show. Impressively good. Just, I mean, and those guys have become an essential part of his act. That they, oh, yeah, drum solos and like they they comment on things. It's it's an immersive experience just watching. Yeah, and then they'll like in the middle of the show, they'll do an entire acoustic set of uh, like a medley and they'll just play a bunch of stuff acoustic and it's really, really good. It, and, and so much energy. I can't believe how much energy he still has. And costume changes. Yes. Oh man. It was weird because I hadn't seen any of his old stuff in quite a while. So it was just a tiny bit jarring to see him with the mustache again because I'd gotten used <laughs> to, I, it was, it was really weird when he first shaved it off. And it took me a long time to get used to that. But then to see it on him again, I'm like, oh, that's that's the weird owl that I grew up with. What's also weird is when you watch this and you he didn't play any like you you assume he's gonna play like some of these parody characters and these things that they've made. Mm-hmm. But like Conan obviously wasn't him. But for the longest time I thought he played Gandhi in Gandhi too because of the mustache. I was like, that's gotta be him. I'm like that's no, there's no Yeah, I, I thought the same thing growing up. So the only one he did was Rambo, I think, and yep. and in Indy, Indiana Jones and Rambo. Isn't that and him? Gone with the Wind? He wasn't the Gandhi guy. No, that guy's way shorter than Al. Yeah. Oh, I totally thought it was him. Yeah, I'll see. Glasses and mustache. You figure it's got to be right. It, I mean, that would be my guess too. But no, um, I don't think they're going to have it in. It would have been great if Ben Kingsley had actually played it. <laughs> that would have been great. You know, and today he could have gotten him. I think I don't think he was quite um quite there at that point. I don't see it. Oh, Jay Levy played Gandhi. Uncredited. Jay Levy is known for UHF. Oh, he was the director. So he he did the he did a bunch of Al's music videos, Legend of Beverly Hills, Eat It. Um, in fact, his uh, producer credits are all Weird Al Yankovic videos, and the Weird Al Show, and Hanson. For some reason, literally, it's it's Weird Al, Weird Al, Weird Al, Hanson, Weird Al. That's a <laughs> very strange producer. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So here's a question. Phoebe Phoebe grew up in Los Angeles. So we were chatting about this. She said, this looks like where I grew up, where I used to live. And I was like, I don't think I've ever wondered where this movie takes place. And does anybody have any idea where it takes place? I, 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 I think they say East Coast. Yeah, they don't. There, it doesn't take place. Accents and... Well, and they mentioned that Uncle Harvey's going to California at one point. Because he, he says, you know, oh, he's going to California. He's not going to care kind of thing. So I don't uh, I don't know. I, I would say East Coast makes sense. Like I always thought like New York type thing. But then it, it was shot in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a lot of the extras were just people from Tulsa. So very convincing for East Coast or California, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Weird Al never believed that this film deserved a PG-13 rating, but refused to allow cuts that would have earned the film a PG rating. Among the scenes the MPAA wanted cut were the flying poodles uh, and part of the Conan librarian, which uh, where the guy gets split in half. 
another scene Weird Al didn't delete despite rating concerns is the town talk scene wherein the shop teacher. Oh yeah, so the thumb, the the whole thing with Emo Phillips. Um, Both of the body, well, any of the body explosions. You're yeah. like, there is zero blood in these people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I you know, and I mean, to his credit, I I don't today this movie wouldn't have gotten a PG thirteen, but they also don't really give out. I guess it might have because they still don't do really PG anymore. It's like the law. So today, thing. somebody would have put an F bomb or something in there just to give it a rating. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, it really doesn't need that. Uh, at one point in the Gandhi two scene, Gandhi slams a bad guy's head repeatedly into the roof of his Ferrari. When doing this on set, it actually left a dent in the roof of the car. Ooh. That's a bummer because it was a real only Ferrari. practical effects when, uh, like, when Stanley's throwing the firing the staples behind him, <laughs> and like that guy had those in his face when he ran into frame, but it was cut together so effectively. So like, there was a lot of like low budget tricks going on. Oh, totally. No, I I I really liked that. The staples were in different spots each time they did it. Did a different view of them too. Mm-hmm. And by the time George got there, he still had staples in his face. It's like you haven't taken all of these out. Yeah. Uh, overall. Oh, my, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say at the end of the movie when I watched it with my brother, he just was like, you know, I was paying attention. Do we ever see Stanley's shirt glow in the dark? No. Because when he's captured and he's put in the other room and his blindfold falls off, he's like, oh, my shirt glows in the dark. And then, like, he just cut to something else. And, like, can we ever prove that it did or didn't? He thought, no, he was just saying that to lure them in there. I'm like, I don't think that's... No, Stan- Stanley is not that clever. No, I think he legitimately thinks his shirt could glow in the dark. Um, One thing, so the end where Philo goes home... Right, and he says, "I have to go home now." And he walks into the background, and then you know, does the whole facial thing, and kind of goes. Where he looks uh, like Marge from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes, exactly. He looks yeah. like large Marge. Yeah. Honestly, I think if I were doing that scene, the only thing I would change is I wouldn't have that cutaway. I wouldn't show his face. I would just show him walk into the background and just have him disappear. I think that would have been funnier, personally. Yeah, I was actually hoping that that's what was going to happen. As it was, I was, I was hoping that he would just kind of like beam out, but it would be sort of. Like if you weren't watching for it, you might have missed it. Yeah, and and I, I wonder if part of it is because Al has a thing for claymation as well. So be. like maybe they just wanted to put that aspect in there somewhere. But where else? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were they originally weren't going to show the transformation up close. They were going to show it far away. But apparently, because everybody loved how it turned out, they did it the close up. According to the trivia. Hmm, okay. The drink from a fire hose idea came from a comedy routine that Weird Al Yankovic developed in college with his friend Joel Miller, which is the name of the boy in that scene. Well, there you go. And the other two people in the oatmeal with them are like middle-aged or elderly yeah. people. And I'm just thinking, had one of them got... Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. Uh, although the character of Stanley Spadowski was written for Michael Richards, Christopher Lloyd was also considered. That would have been very different with Christopher Lloyd, I think. Because it would have yeah. been... Like, it would have been a lot more uh, his Reverend Jim character from Taxi is how I'm picturing it. Yeah, there's like a darker shade or tone to it yeah. or sadness to it. I don't... Sadness, that's a good word for it. He would have played him more that way, I think. 
than kind of dopey. And it definitely, I, he still could have been as physical or nearly as physical, but there there is something to the energy of Michael Richards, especially young Michael Richards. Um, and I did think it was funny. I read uh, that the, the scene with um, Bobo the Clown, which is um, David Bowe, so Bob, um, he actually split his lip um, and when he gets hit with the frying pan, it really hit him in the face and opened it up further, but they couldn't tell because of the red makeup. So his reaction to that was real and they kept the take. So I thought that was funny. I didn't realize that. Maybe that's why he disappeared for a while. (laughs) He was upset and he didn't want to. Um, One thing I noticed at the end of it, when uh, uncle Louie's there and everyone's at the gathering at the end, uh, I think it's when Philo's saying goodbye or whatever. Like you see the cameraman with noodles on his shoulder and it's like he's looking to somebody off camera and he's like nodding. Yeah. 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 But he just keeps doing that for the entirety <laughs> of the scene. I'm like, what are you? No, nobody gave him direction. He just said, just act natural. Do something. I don't know. Yeah. I think they ADR the rest of the dialogue for that scene anyway. Well, I have to say this, uh, this was a fun one. I I'm, Glad that you guys all took the time to watch the movie. Fee, I'm sorry that uh, you don't remember it, but you know maybe yeah, next time no, you will. It just means I get to watch it again. You just get to enjoy it for the first time every time. Every time. So, every um, time I watch it, I'll enjoy it for the first time. But thank you for coming on. This was fun. Uh, it was nice to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was super fun. And David, uh, as always, a pleasure. I'm glad that you uh, enjoyed the movie. Yes, thanks for inviting me. Of course. Christina, it was nice to have you back. Always. And Josh as well. It's been, been quite a while. We've been talking about trying to find a, a movie to get you on for, so I'm glad uh, it worked out. Yeah, scheduling is kind of better right now. <laughs> Not much <laughs> happening. It's true. Yeah. There's a lot of free time for a lot me. of people. Um, well, normally, so right now we're recording. It's a Monday night, but normally um, I record this show Sunday nights, 8 p.m., um, and I do it live to Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash TV's Travis. Um, and then uh, it comes out in podcast form on Wednesdays, uh, usually in the morning. Um, every week, uh, we're 55 weeks in. Uh, we've done, we're 56 weeks in. We've done 55 episodes. I've only had to skip one. So keeping, keeping that tradition going. Um, this week originally was actually going to be a different movie, and I had to call an audible. So I'm glad... Uh, I'm glad, A, that you guys were all available and able to, to watch the movie, and I thank you for that. Um, so, Heat. I guess we can credit Phoebe for this because <laughs> we talked about this like two weeks ago, and you're like, do you know anybody who hasn't seen it? And then she happened to mention to me elsewhere the movies she's going through, and I'm like, you hey, Jeff? Great. Yeah, I got a lot of movies on this list of movies I've never seen. <laughs> well, good. We'll have you back then. Sounds good. Um, so originally this week was going to be Heat. Um, that has been pushed back. Uh, that will be getting rescheduled here sometime soon. But next week, um, this coming Sunday, is actually going to be Dogma. Um, and I have uh, a couple of friends who have never seen it before. Um, How? They yeah, Okay, that movie I've seen, and it's amazing. We're going to go over that in the episode, but they grew up also rather sheltered. Um, they have ah. since become Kevin Smith fans, but they've never seen the movie Dog. I've never seen it. So tune in for that one because that's going to be a ton of fun. That's going to be with um, Stephen and Ashley from the podcast Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. 
um, are going to come on and talk with me about dogma, provided that Ashley does not give birth before Sunday. So as long as she can hold out until uh, next Monday, a week from today, then we're good to go. Um, but that's what's coming up. And then um, I don't know. I don't have anything scheduled after that. I'm working on scheduling right now. Uh, but with everybody being stuck at home, I think it's going to be a little bit easier to do for the next few weeks. So we have those coming up. I'm also starting to do um, some game streaming on my Twitch channel, um, playing classic adventure games. I talked about it uh, before we started recording. Right now I'm playing Sam and Max Hit the Road, one of my favorite point-and-click adventure games I've ever played. Um, so tune in for that, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Travis, And that's going to be... Uh, I think I'm going to do like Tuesdays and Saturdays maybe doing those. So um, check back for that. And uh, if you do listen to this show uh, and you get it through something like Apple Podcasts, leave us a review um, and uh, give us a a star rating, hopefully five stars. If you like it, if you don't, fine. I don't don't care. But um, no, I do care actually. But uh, any any kind of reviews uh, really help us to – to show up in the searches and help uh, with the algorithms. So we appreciate that um, if you can do that. And uh, the show is called Wait You Haven't Seen. And and you can get subscription to the show at tvstravis.com forward slash subscribe. Because like I like as I like to say, everything's about me and my giant ego. So I named everything after myself. The website, the Twitch channel, it's all mine. Mine, mine, mine. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so next week is dogma. Come back for that. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, but until next time, get out and enjoy your movies and be excellent to each other. imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer ladies and gentlemen the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure and this year we need your help more than ever please join us may 27th through may 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)